everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Penscast Mailbag. I am your host, Gareth Bahanna. Alongside me, he is the fellow contributing writer over at Pensburg.com. He is Robbie Noggle. And this week, for the first time in the history of history, we are including not just a very special guest, but our first recruit to the Skating Penguin Network, the Penscast. Uh, we have recruited a very loyal question asker who has come aboard. His name is Snail. You might have heard his name before in prior episodes of the Penscast Mailbag, but Snail has reached out to us. He has come aboard, and he is our first official recruit here at the Skating Penguin Network. Uh, he will be joining us weekly at this point for upcoming mailbags, upcoming news episodes. He has some of his own ideas that we are likely going to implement here as the off-season rolls on. But uh, I will hand the microphone over to Snail to uh, give a little bit of an introduction, and then we will get into a massive mailbag. So, Snail, the floor is yours. Thank you, Garrett. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Like uh, like Garrett said, I'm a longtime question asker and signed a PTO with the boys here. Going to try to create some some chemistry here and... and uh, answer your questions. I'll keep it short and sweet because I know we got a we got quite the mailbag, but uh, I'm super happy to be here. Thank you guys for giving me a shot with the big club. Let's uh, let's get to these questions. We absolutely have to get to these questions because there are 31 tweets. I'm looking at the Twitter feed right now. And a couple of weeks ago, Robbie and I were sitting here recording an episode of the mailbag where we had about 27 or 28 questions and uh, we had said at the time that was far and away the biggest mailbag we had ever done well this has blown that out of the water after about four weeks we have a new record which is absolute lunacy but it also makes sense because of the nhl draft happening free agent frenzy getting underway as we record this on july 3rd free agency obviously happening on july 1st but uh, with Snail in the mix right now, if you're a, a familiar listener, you know that we go, typically we go Robbie, myself, and we'll go back and forth. And um, I think what we'll do is we'll just go Robbie, start off as always, we'll go Snail, and then we'll go myself, and then we will rotate one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. There might be some questions that we, uh, that we deflect or uh, give to certain hosts whether that be Robbie or Snail so the, the 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 loop may be thrown out of funk for a little bit but we will answer all of these questions and statements with that being said let's get right into it question number 1 for you Robbie comes from loyal question asker Brian what trade has been the most surprising to you Kevin Hayes to the Blues for a 2024 sixth round pick seems just crazy to Brian uh, there have been some crazy trades Robbie on the outset of a free agent frenzy, what is one or a couple that have stood out to you? The, the Hayes trade really did uh, kind of surprise me because Kevin Hayes, not what he was at one time, but not, I mean, a complete anchor uh, that that you may, may expect when you see a return like that. That's almost, now again, Philly is trying to move cap space or clear cap space. They are going... Finally, probably more for a a more comprehensive rebuild. They weren't as bad as many expected last offseason. Uh, again, you got they got Mishkov 
they drafted him. And again, maybe they're going to really try to tank this year to pick up another centerpiece. But the Hayes deal, I, it just it definitely comes off a surprise. Um, but other deals uh, that were made uh, this week, there's nothing that really I would say stuck out to me in a huge way. I think it's more the the buyouts that kind of surprised me. The Matt Duchesne buyout, because um, he again not a guy like. Um, like a Jack Johnson when he was with the Penguins, it was just a complete uh, black hole in the team. I think it was more the buyouts uh, that kind of surprised me more than anything because uh, some good guys got bought out and um, had to find new homes and free agency. But the Hayes deal, I think on paper, yeah, kind of a um, kind of a head scratcher. But when you look at the situations of uh, the Flyers and the Blues, the Flyers trying to uh, clear cap space uh, and get some pieces out and get some, uh, pieces back and then the blues who are just trying to remain relevant as a playoff team uh hayes definitely kind of helps them in that instance as well uh question number two again from brian and uh, as a reminder this one's going to snail in the rotation here uh did any of you watch the e60 once upon a time in anaheim the mighty ducks franchise is one of my favorites growing up uh, so it was interesting to see how the anaheim franchise started also what do you think of the 30th anniversary jerseys that the Ducks will be wearing next season. So yeah, I did watch the E60 documentary. I'm a sucker for those, um, even sports that I don't really follow. I think that they've always done a good job of really informing you know people that aren't a fan of whatever sport. But yeah, I watched it. I grew up watching the Mighty Ducks. I went to elementary school with Mighty Ducks jerseys, and um, you know that was definitely a, a big influence and kind of one of my first like that was kind of my like first big wow moment with hockey <laughs> watching those so um i loved it i thought it was great there they touched on you know not just the you know it was like the mighty ducks the entire story of them going from the the actors in the movie to the the beginning of the franchise and kind of the ups and downs that they had um i highly suggest it i think that you know the way that they did it even if you hate the Ducks or if you're not a Disney fan, I think it, they really do a good job of putting a spin where it's all inherently interesting. Um, yeah, and uh, so the other part of that question was, uh, oh, the jerseys. Um, you know, I feel like they're so close to just going back to that <laughs> original, like, is it the Wing Duck? Or, um, maybe I'm messing that up. No, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah, really, it, uh, they'll know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, they're so close to just going back to that classic Jersey that I, I remember. And they just always kind of put a little, a different color here, a little different spin on the logo. Um, so, you know, I think I like it. I think the closer they get, the more I'll like them. Cause I am a huge fan of those. I know that it's a controversial topic, but, uh, you know, I, I like the jerseys. I'll, I'll just go with that. Uh, question number three is from Brian. Um, do you think a guy that's in the system that we need to keep an eye on is Avery Hayes? Uh, seems like he has quite a bit of upside. I know he's injured currently, but I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe gets a chance with the Pens next season. I had to do some digging for this Avery Hayes, but I did end up finding him. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins have signed forward Avery Hayes to a two-year AHL-only contract starting through the 2023-24 season. So in his final season of major junior hockey in the OHL, Hayes potted 43 goals split between 
the Hamilton Bulldogs and the Peterborough Peets. In 237 career OHL games, again, this is all junior hockey, he earned 106 goals, 97 assists for 203 points. He also racked up 54 points in 42 OHL playoff games. So it's definitely a positive thing. The thing you want to see with these junior players is offensive production, especially forwards. If offensive production, if you can pretty much get over a point per game in the OHL, the Quebec Major Junior League, uh, the WHL, then you're put on my radar at least. And I say that as nobody, as a nobody with no, no scouting analysis or expertise, but I do know the more offense you can generate in these junior leagues, the more likely it is you are going to find success as the competition gets tougher in the American League playing against men and in the top league in the NHL where it's the cream of the crop. So Avery Hayes, uh, again, he's probably going to be developing just because he is 20 years old, 5'10", 174 pounds. Maybe he bulks up a little bit. He's played center and wing. But uh, again, a 20-year-old, I, I don't want to put too many expectations or labels on a guy that is strictly going to be in the AHL. But at the same time, with how depleted this prospect pool has been, if you can add uh, guys like a Hayes coming out of finishing their junior careers or unsigned college free agents from the NCAA, take flyers on those guys because the Penguins have had success uh, I believe Connor Sherry was the first name that came to mind. I believe he was an un, uh, undrafted, unsigned college free agent. You take flyers on these guys, and the majority of them don't pan out, but the ones that do, you may be able to find a diamond in the rough. And for the Penguins, for a team that is so strapped against the salary cap most seasons, taking flyers on these guys is pretty shrewd business when all of your salary cap money is going to your, your big elite stars. All right, uh, the, the next question I see comes from Brian, and we'll go back to Robbie here. Robbie, from Brian, do you think Sergei Gonchar deserves slash will get into the Hockey Hall of Fame one day? I'm a yes on both of those questions. And again, Gonchar doesn't have the most clear-cut resume, uh, Hall of Fame resume um, out there, but I think, I mean, you take in, he was always an offensive defenseman, had great numbers, uh, if you remember, I don't know if you guys remember exactly when he was signed, um, how big of a deal it was uh, prior to Sidney Crosby's rookie season. Um, a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, signing that was. But uh, just what he's done um, throughout his career, I think he definitely has uh, warranted a selection to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think he will get there. I mean, he has a Stanley Cup too, uh, which obviously helps uh, when it comes to maybe some of those um, uh, bubble guys and, and remember how important he was during that Stanley Cup run uh, for the Penguins so uh, my guess is yes he does get in I'm not going to say it's next year uh, but I think within the next three years um, he will be selected to the Hall of Fame and it, it will be well deserving uh, for one of the premier uh, offensive defensemen of of his generation uh, sticking with Brian here going back to Snail uh, you guys mentioned in the past few weeks one um, wondering. Okay, so this is I'm gonna sit, read this and I'll, and I'll go to a question. Uh, Brian basically everybody asked. Um, people wonder how he comes up with all these questions. Um, he is a mailman with uh, plenty of time on his hands, um, and when he's out there by himself, uh, these questions pop into his head, and 
Uh, he gets them to us. So again, as we have in the past, we thank Brian. Uh, we thank Brian uh, a lot for all the work he does, and we really appreciate everything he does to help the podcast get us questions and kind of keep us up and running. Um, okay, so now a question to Snail again from Brian here. Uh, he says, congratulations to Patrick Hornquist on a great career. Any moment in his tenure with us that particularly stands out that's not the game-winning goal uh, in the 2017 Stanley Cup Final? I just loved how much of a menace he was in front of the net, something this team has been missing uh, uh, since he left. So, yeah, I a, um, a big salute to Patrick Hornquist. When he left, that was... I think that was a major blow to the Penguins and they've been searching for some, the stuff that he brings. Uh, I think probably both on and off the ice. I think he, you know, he's, he's that glue guy and he's got jam and uh, yeah, the Penguins have kind of been looking for someone to supplement that since he left. Um, one, uh, a, a couple Hornquist moments that I remember uh Actually, one that sticks out in my head is, didn't he score, like, the fastest hat trick in Penguins history? Like, didn't he score? I no, think it I was... No, that was... Uh, I, Nils Ekman had the fat... Unless that changed, and I forget about it. I Nils think in two, the, 2018, he, he scored the fastest hat Maybe, trick oh, in Penguins history. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't um, remember how fast... Yeah, you're right, I think, yeah. 167 seconds. That's so. okay to score the fastest hat trick in team history, which is crazy. Yeah. Crazy that it would come from him when you got guys like Sid and Gino and Gensel kind of, you know, buzzing around out there. You'd, you would probably, if you were asked who has the quickest hat trick, would you really guess Patrick Hornquist? (laughs) That's a good Uh, way to put it. Um, uh, there's that moment. And then I kind of have like a vague memory of him. I think, well, actually, maybe maybe I'm thinking of the same thing. That hat trick he had, I think he scored. All three of his goals were just like such Patrick Hornquist-esque goals, like right around the perimeter of the net. I think he tipped one home. I think there was a scrum in front of the net, and he just jammed it home through uh, through the wickets of, uh, I think it was against Spicy Pork and Broccoli, of all people. Um, <laughs> and then uh, oh, a little... Yeah, now you say that, it might, yeah. Yeah, and then I think a little one-timer from maybe four or five feet out... Um, you know, all from proximity. So that when I think of Patrick Hornquist, it's always being a pest in front of the net. And uh, yeah, that, that hat trick kind of sticks out in my mind. Next question uh, is from Brian. Brian says, I get not wanting to have dead money against the cap, but are you surprised Dubas didn't choose to utilize the buyout option for Granlin? I just don't see him being better in Soli's system, even with a hopefully upgraded bottom six. So here's what I'll say regarding Grandland and the, the the lack of a buyout. Everyone on Twitter that I follow in my Penguins hockey circle is it's it feels like to me the honeymoon period between Penguins fans and Kyle Dubas has come to a screeching halt because Jeff Carter's still on this team, Jeff Petrie's still on this team, uh, Mikel Grandland is still on this team. You had opportunities to buy out Mikel Grandland and free up that salary cap space to use into free agency. Now the Penguins are over the salary cap by over a million dollars. Now, whether Kyle Dubas comes out, he, he did come out publicly and say, we believe we are under the salary cap and there are certainly ways to maneuver the salary cap. But he said, uh, I am paraphrasing here. I did watch his 20 minute presser on free agent day. He said he's comfortable with Jeff Petrie coming back on the second pair. 
uh, probably alongside Marcus Pedersen. And uh, I don't know if he called out Mikel Granlin directly, but I mean, right now, there's both of these players are still on the roster. I'm not going to sit here and say Kyle Dubas is done. I still think he has a lot of tricks left up his sleeve. And the early returns on free agency have been, I don't even want to say underwhelming, but um, they haven't been perhaps maybe as big of a splash or as some people may have wanted. Ryan Graves being the premier free agent signing for six years, that definitely caught a lot of people off guard. But back to Mikel Granlin. He's still on the team right now. That's not to say that another general manager, one of the 31 other general managers in the league, are, is going to say no to a player like Mikel Granlin, especially if the Penguins have to sweeten the pot. Yeah, it would sting giving up a draft pick or something like that to get rid of the contract when you could have bought him out and freed up some more cap space, but you can't change the past now. Right now, Granlin is on this roster. Petrie is on this roster. Jeff Carter is still on this roster. You can definitely make the argument that this team is older and slower because of the players that they brought in during free agency, but it's only July 3rd as we sit here and record this. I'm, I would not be surprised if Granlin is not on this roster by October. I would not be surprised if Brian Rust is not on this roster. I would not be surprised if Marcus Pedersen was traded. Uh, there are still so there's still so much more left to do in the offseason. Everyone gets so up in arms about the first 48 hours of free agency, and I understand it because it's very exciting, but I'm willing to let this play out into September. Now, if we get into September and it's very clear that Granlin and Carter and Petrie are going to be active members of this roster, then I might have some suspicions and some uh, some questions to be had. But right now, as I sit here on July 3rd, I'm not digging too deep into what the early returns for Penguins free agency are and the players who are still on this roster in early July. What is the best hockey name you have heard? Cutter Gautier is the first one that comes to Brian's mind. Yeah, we're getting to that um, point in the uh, kind of the drafts or the upcoming drafts where you're going to get like those high school kids that you all saw on like memes and stuff. They're going to start to get drafted that have like really bizarre names coming through junior. Uh, Cutter Gautier is a good one. Um, I, I, it's kind of a throwback here, but I think Ty – for Ty Domi, I mean, that's not a name you hear very, very often um, as well. Anything with a French accent makes it better um, as well. Um, a cutter's like we had, there's a Kiefer, a Kiefer Bellows, who has been kind of in and out of the league the past few years. Uh, a very, I mean, Kiefer is not a name you hear uh, very often uh, at all. It seems like your Jeffs and your Pavels and stuff are kind of going by the wayside here. I mean, you have Matvey Michkov, which is maybe the most Russian name coming drafted uh, this past year. Um, but uh, Kiefer was one that really stuck out to me uh, when I was kind of going through just off the top of my head. Uh, Cutter, obviously, that's a very young hockey player name. Um, and they're just going to get more, uh, more and more kind of absurd as we go through the years here with some of these younger kids getting drafted. So if you're a fan of funny names, uh, you're going to be coming into your glory in these next few years, because uh, if these junior level drafts are any indication, 
uh, there's going to be some uh, pretty wild stuff uh, for you to enjoy in these next few next five ten years. Do you mind if I chime in really quick? Yeah, on go ahead. Name? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about uh, Pittsburgh legend Bugsy Malone? I know Bugsy's Bugsy, a nickname, but like Bugsy yeah, Malone Bugsy's just r- rolls off the tongue so well. And yeah, Bugsy's who, a good one. As a, even as a nickname, that's yeah. It's it's great when like their first name is just something insane. But Bugsy, I mean, it kind of like it just gives you kind of like when you hear that name, like it definitely fits with a guy like Ryan Malone for sure. Or that dude in in Buffalo, his name's the goalie Uka Pekka Lukanen. Like that's fun to say. <laughs> yeah, there's also up there uh, Zemus. Uh, Ger- oh, Zemgus Gergensen. Yeah, Gergensen. Yeah, Zem. Yeah, again, it just sounds like you're soon- gargling mouthwash. <laughs> yeah, as soon as I try to say it, like my tongue gets tied and I can't get it out. But yes, he's another great, great option um, up there as well, and he's been around for basically ever too. Shifting over to Snail here, we got Brian. Um, Mike Sullivan spoke about there being transparency between him and Kyle Dubas that wasn't there with him uh, in the previous regime. Uh, I really think Sully is going to get the most out of this roster that is built uh, with everyone on the same page. We all know Sully, you know, had had his influence on the GM search. I think uh, I think uh, Kyle and Sully. I mean, I think I you you would hear maybe whispers before that, like if Sullivan ever left Pittsburgh. I think it was like Toronto and New York were kind of looking for him as a coach. Um, I think it benefits. I think it benefits their relationship. It, it benefits the team. I I don't see it hindering at all. But I guess that I do have a worry pop up, maybe a little bit in the back of my head, is what happens when this honeymoon phase is over and rubber hits rose. What what happens if the Pens lose ten straight and uh, become inconsistent? Do we still love Dubis? Are we loyal to to Sullivan? And is is you know Dubis? Does he have the green light to kind of gas Sully, even though he was kind of involved in him getting hired here? That's kind of what. I worry about more than than anything. I mean, I think being on the same page about players, um, obviously, you know, I, I have a feeling it's like Mike kind of has a certain type of player he likes, and it's Dubis's job to be his gopher and go out and get those. But um, yeah, I think to answer your question, it's definitely a, it's a benefit. All right, um, next questions from Brian here. Um, With us currently being over the cap, who do you see as a player that will get moved out? Very simple. And I kind of touched on it in the last question, even without seeing this question from Brian. But ideally, I mean, we've been beating this drum for weeks now, and the buyout period came and went, but you can't be paying Mikel Granlin that kind of money. I mean, Dubas is going to come out and say to the press openly, he's not going to bash any of these players. He's not going to detract value from Mikel Granlin or Jeff Petrie or... uh, or whoever else may be included in potential trade discussions for an Eric Carlson, as we still wait to figure out how that saga gets resolved. But Granlin is by far and away the first candidate that comes to mind that would have to be, have to be booted. I mean, you have him. I mentioned Petrie. He was involved in trade talks leading up to the draft with a $6.25 million cap hit for, I believe this season and next season. Uh, Mikael Granlund, who, uh, I mentioned Brian Rust as like a dark horse candidate that could definitely be offloaded if need be. Uh, I wouldn't want that to happen, obviously, but I think 
he has a more reasonable cap hit for the production he gives compared to a player like Mikel Granlin. So um, Granlin and Petrie are the two names that were included in some trade talks leading up to the draft and into free agency. And I would not be surprised if Dubas continues to try and stoke those flames to see what else is out there. And if they, if the Penguins can get younger on the back end, on the back end and in the forward group. So that for sure uh, would be the two names that I would be keeping an eye out for. All right, Robbie, we're going to Brian with this question. Uh, Are any of the qualifying offers or lack of qualifying offers, do they surprise you? Brian was shocked that they did not give a qualifying offer to Ryan Paling, who ended up signing a one-year deal with rival Philadelphia Flyers. They must really be concerned that his back issue isn't going to be any better next season. Yeah, that's really the only explanation that I can really figure out for uh, Paling, unless they were just dead set on, they figured that here's what is available in free agency, uh, here's what's going. Here's what we're going to target, and Ryan Paling just does not have a roster spot. But I don't. That doesn't make as much sense as uh, to me that the back just isn't in a position that he's going to be able to give you um, not even a full 82 game season, but maybe not even 60 games. And they decided to get a guy like Eller, Matt Nieto, uh, guys like that um, that don't have that lingering issue um, because a back. The back is it's not something you mess with. You can recover from a sprained ankle or a dislocated shoulder. Uh, once those are back and healed, um, the lingering effects aren't back. It could go out at any time. And it's not the perfect example, but look at uh, like Tiger Woods. Uh, it took years for him to get his back in a position to where he could compete again. And this is just not something you mess around with. And if they could spend that money better and more efficiently for a guy that can give you, um, again, anybody can get injured at any time. But if you go out to free agency and sign a guy that is completely healthy going into the season uh, without lingering chronic issues or the potential for lingering chronic issues, um, I think you save that money. He signed for, what, $1.2 million in Philadelphia. I, he's not – I mean, you're not losing a guy that's scoring 20 goals. Uh, and you, for the what his role was going to be, there the guys like that are a dime a dozen. And I understand he had great speed, but that speed's useless if he's not on the ice. So I can't really um, blame them for not giving him the QO. And I think if he would have been healthy, based on the other uh, offers we saw, he easily would have uh, would have gotten uh, an offer. But if that back is at all a concern. Uh, there are cheaper and um, better options out there, and I think that's kind of what Kyle Dubas' thinking was on that. Uh, let's see. We're going now. We're going to stay with um, Brian here. Um, Brian said he was listening to uh, the Locked On Penguins podcast uh, with Hunter, who we mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, that that if Carolina would make the trade for Eric Carlson, which is obviously up up in the air, as we. Uh, record this he if he was Kyle Dubas he would call the the Hurricanes on defenseman Brett Pesci um, and Brian thinks that that is a move uh, that would make all the sense in the world if the Hurricanes were to land Eric Carlson and he wants our thoughts on that well um, 
I'll chime in on that. So Brett Pesci, I think he's a he's an attractive piece. Um, I think if you got Brett Pesci munching minutes at your number uh, as your number four, uh, you're as a, on the right side there. Um, he had a career year last season. He averages about 21 minutes total ice time. Um, so uh, he's pretty consistent too. He's good on the penalty kill. Um, he had a, his career high last year consisted of 30 points, five goals, 25 apples. So for a defensive D man, that's pretty good. And you wonder if maybe there would be a drop off after that. But I think even if you averaged out, uh, you know, he's 28, he's been in the league for eight years. Um, I, I think you got to entertain. I think a lot of people will be in on Pesci if he becomes available. Um, and I, I could see him fitting it well. Um, but I think he would fit in well with Pittsburgh. But it's like, who are we getting rid of to get in Pesci? Would you take Pesci over Petrie? Um, I think I would personally. But uh, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, if it's Carl, like I'm Carlson, like 100%, obviously. And obviously, and, and, Given that nothing's been said, I'm assuming the Penguins and the Hurricanes are still the two standing with Carlson. Um, I mean, if they make this move, if the Hurricanes are the one, they're going to have to shed salary. So I would, I, I don't think you get worse with Brett Pesci. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, Petrie, again, I just don't know what he has left. Uh, when you get to his age, the the injuries, even though it's minor, can all start to add up. Uh, so I I do like and I trust Hunter on this kind of stuff. Um, so if he thinks it's calling on Brett Pesci's a good idea, then you know what I can't really hate it. Uh, and I'm gonna kind of be like at least kick the tires on it to see um, if the Hurricanes are willing to do business because uh, I think Brett Pesci he improves the team. He doesn't hurt the team. Let's put it that way. Brian asks, with all the players added for the bottom six, do you see Carter being a player at the wing rather than a center? I feel that should be the goal to help him with less def- uh, with less defensive responsibilities. I agree completely. So you bring in Lars Eller, which still surprised a lot of people on the first day of free agency. 36-year-old veteran defensive center. I imagine Lars Eller is going to be your primary fourth-line center. Third-line um well Mikhail Granlin is still here I mean in theory you could plot Mikhail Granlin on that third line center role for the time being I'm trying to think uh who else the Penguins signed in free agency Noel Achari um he he's definitely going to be a bottom six player I think Matt Nieto has typically been a wing throughout his career I don't know if he really has center experience but going back to the question regarding Carter yes that if if you're going to limit Carter and his ice time and his deficiencies at his age then you put him on a right wing ideally on the fourth line yeah it sucks you're paying Carter uh, all that money to basically be a fourth line right wing with a lack of responsibility but you saw how easily uh the opposition defense was getting around him when he was on the ice last season. So put him on the wing next to Lars Eller. Uh, that coming out of my mouth doesn't sound all that appetizing, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like Jeff Carter's going to be eating pretzel nuggets night in and night out. It sounds like Jeff Carter is going to be playing as many games as he can. And this is the last year of his contract. So at this point, unless he gets traded, which I find highly unlikely, I'm just going to suck it up and just get through this season, however good or however bad he has, 
and then he's gone after this upcoming season. And then we, we don't have to talk about Jeff Carter being a sloth on the ice anymore. So it is what it is. Yes, ideally you put him on the wing. You don't give him big, crucial minutes late in the game like Mike Sullivan was doing at certain points last season for whatever reason. But yeah, in an ideal world, that's where that's where uh, that's where Carter sits on the fourth line, right wing spot, and really nothing else. What do you guys think about maybe Carter being the like your twelfth forward? Like he's no longer he's not on the power play, he's not on the penalty kill, he's just your twelfth forward, and it's kind of what you do with a center, right? That can't skate anymore. You just move him to the wing to kind of hide their their insufficiencies. So, uh, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. I I can't really find fault in that argument or that logic because he seems like he's lost quite a few steps at this point, and you're not. I personally would not trust him at 37 years old to go out there and drive play into the offensive zone. So, put him on the wing where obviously you, you can limit his deficiencies, and he's not bogged down with defensive responsibilities that your typical third and fourth line centers are. So I, I don't have a problem with that logic in putting him in a sheltered role. Uh, it sucks, like I said, because you're you're paying him so much money given his cap hit that Ron Hextall signed him to. But, I mean, it is what it is at this point. There's really no getting out uh, underneath from that contract. All right, let's see here. Uh, all right, wait, la, la, la. I can't talk right now. We're going back to Brian with this one for Snail, or no, for Robbie, rather. Uh, is this is there one draft pick, Robbie, that we took that you love, and or are there any draft picks that you just plain out did not understand when they were selected? I mean, I guess the, the Jaeger pick would kind of fit under this. Uh, the people that are much smarter in, uh, in the draft prospect thing than I am were not huge fans of it. That is what it is. I, I'm interested. I'm really intrigued by his shot because – even the, the, the naysayers on this pick were basically saying that he's automatically the best shot in the organization uh, and the first and, and really the best shot the organization has had in a really long time. Um, maybe like a, a, a Jared McCann type player, which uh, maybe they hold on to that this time and a guy that just scored 40 goals this year. But I'm really interested to see how he pans out um, based on what was available then, even on my quote-unquote draft board he would not have been uh the top guy up there but um so I guess you could say I don't really love that pick because um I thought there are better options available from the limited research that I did uh but as for uh picks I liked uh any of the picks after the first round that uh ever make the NHL and contribute um so obviously a to be seen on that one but if any of those guys pan out then that is the best pick uh, of that draft, unless uh, Brandon Yeager turns or Braden Yeager turns out to be uh, like the next Jared McCann. Um, so, yeah, any of those picks, second round through seventh, that uh, turn out to be great, uh, that is my favorite pick of the draft. Okay, so I'm going through here real quick just to see what is left. Uh, here, Brian again. Uh, Michkov going to the Flyers makes me sick. I think we can all agree with that. I knew it was highly unlucky he'd fall to us, but I really wanted him. However, it would be totally th- uh, it would be a totally Philly thing for him never to come over. And, and to Brian and I'm sure 
the whole Penguins fan base, that would be exceptionally funny. So, yeah, um, that would be funny. Um, they finally get their game breaker or supposed game breaker, and uh, he just never reports. Um, one thing that I just wanted to kind of quickly say about Michkov was that I, I don't know if you guys saw the reports, but there was a lot of uh, red flags uh, regarding his character. And I think the Flyers can have him if that's the case. Um, I That's a big deal to me, I think, especially something I've kind of always loved about the Penguins is, is there, you know, lots of players with, with great temperament. And uh, the last thing we need is a, a spoiled brat. Um, so Michkov could potentially be the best player that the Penguins have never picked, you know, if you want to look at it that way. That's fair. I mean, that is fair. All right. Uh, next question here. Let me just make sure I'm not forgetting any more from, uh, from Brian. Um, he had one here that I think you guys are – are better suited to answer than me. Um, Brian asks, how do you navigate the Cheesecake <laughs> Factory's menu? I always want to try something new there when I go, but crack under the pressure when the server has already been by twice to take the order, so I just go with the jambalaya pasta. Oh, boy. Um, it's been a hot minute since I've been to the Cheesecake Factory, but their menu is like the bible it is so thick like it's a thick boy with three c's and it's almost like you go there and you need like a half an hour to analyze it from back to front um oh god i mean it has been so long since i've been there robbie i don't know about you if you have any more uh expert analysis to lead into this question or snail i don't even know do they have cheesecake factory out in seattle washington oh they Uh, do i can actually say i went to the cheesecake factory for my grandmother's birthday about two years ago kind of during covid um uh, i gotta be honest with you guys i'm i'm vegan i've been vegan for about Uh, six years so the cheesecake factory does not typically cater to somebody that has a diet like mine but i will say they do have i mean that menu is extensive and there's things that I edited and picked chose to kind of create um, a a vegan meal there. And I mean, it's good. Like pasta, dude, pasta, not a lot to it. Right. Simple, delicious. uh, Get some olive oil on there, salt and pepper. You can't get really go wrong with that. And uh, they have, uh, they have some soups on there. So um, that's the extent of my knowledge of the cheesecake menu. But, uh, yeah, we, to answer your question, Garrett, we do have them out here. I feel like, I feel like I'm just like categorizing you as a foreigner living out in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> when, yeah. when like me and Robbie were about like, uh, an hour and a half away from one another here. And like, he's in Johnstown, I'm in South of Pittsburgh, but yeah, Robbie, uh, would you like to contribute to this week's food question regarding the cheesecake factory? Yeah, it is a weirdly extensive menu for like a chain restaurant, but even for like any restaurant, like, I feel like if you like, we have like uh family owned Italian restaurants here in Johnstown where it's like maybe a three page menu with, a fourth page being drinks and stuff. Um, I don't know why they have that much, that many options. I feel like that may lead to some possible uh, budgetary concerns, unless you can cross over ingredients into different meals, uh, because there's got to be some stuff that people don't order that you have ingredients laying around for that you don't need. 
Um, I don't eat there that often. Uh, basically, what we do is when we're in Pittsburgh, we'll go to like the Hofbrau House or something because I love German food. Uh, and then we'll go get cheesecake and take it home from there. And their cheesecake selection I, is extensive, but you can do a lot with cheesecake. Uh, so um, it is a weirdly extensive menu. It's just, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where you go, you get the same thing and don't try anything different. You have a favorite, but um, they could definitely do with like a few less pages to kind of take the pressure off. I, I, I kind of, I definitely see where that question is coming from, and uh, it's one you kind of have to think about. But uh, it's a, a fair question, and um, if you have been to the Cheesecake Factory, it's definitely something that um, resonates with you because it's just so out of the ordinary for restaurants in today's uh, today's world. All right, Robbie, we are going back to you with another question from Brian. Out of all the free agent transactions the Penguins made on free agent frenzy day, which ones do you love and which ones do you don't? Are there certain are there certain players that you were hoping the Penguins landed but perhaps did not? I think like looking at some of these deals, like the Tyler Bertuzzi deal and the Max Domi deal, one year relatively cheap, uh, could have been something the Penguins did. Uh, again, and Adam Gretz kind of put this put this out there, like those deals, yeah, they look fine on paper and like maybe frustrate you as a fan, but like the guys have to want to come and play in Pittsburgh too. Like it can't just be, uh, it's easy to say that, oh, Kyle Duba should have done this, but like the guy has to want to come to Pittsburgh and he has to think that he's a fit and stuff like that. Um, I think Domi would have been obviously a great option for what he contributes. Um especially offensively would have been great for that bottom six. Um, I like the Matt Nieto deal and I like the Noel Achari deal. I really think those guys um, can play some low event hockey uh, and really do a lot for the defense that, that when they're being put out there at the end of the game, it's not whatever the disaster that was last year. Uh, the Lars Eller one I'm kind of up on the air about because he was not great in Colorado, but I could easily see him, uh, coming to Pittsburgh, and if he fits that system, playing exactly uh, what Mike Sullivan uh, wants to do. Uh, the Ryan Graves one I'm really intrigued by because I think he can absolutely be a a Ryan or a Brian Dumoulin um, replacement alongside Chris Letang. Uh, so, and the Tristan Jari one I think is going to be a hot button one until he proves us otherwise on that one. Um, that number I'm fine with. It's the five years. If you take two years off that, I'm probably okay with it uh, more than I am. But the more I think about that one, the more I'm like, uh, what other options were there? And I think do it was just kind of it wasn't anything that it was completely out of control of the Penguins' uh, decision makers. And he's our goalie. That's that. That's what it is. And. I like some of the backup options they brought in uh, that could possibly challenge Casey to Smith. Um, so we'll see how that all pans out. Uh, I will say though, for some reason today, um, I was I got a notification from Twitter, and I was followed by and I'm not kidding, this is real. Um, Ryan Graves fan page. I the same here. Same oh here. Oh my gosh! Holy yes. crap! Must I was going to nice. send it to you. Um, so snail, once this guy finds out that you're a part of this, you don't be surprised if you get a follow. And I looked at this, I'm like, that is definitely something. It's, it's something for sure. Dedication. And Just say it's it is, dedication. That is one of the more random fan pages. It's 
if I, my if I had to bet, it's probably a family member. I would think. <laughs> Robbie, do you remember Robbie like five or six years ago, like when the Penguins were winning the championships? Like all, all those really stupid ego pages started popping up. Yeah, when your team's good, like you get a lot of those, and they're very, very annoying because it's they're so very cringe. unoriginal. They all tell the same joke, but just with a different player. Um, there's. Yeah, they yeah, Penguins Jesus kind of falls in that category as well. Just really annoying and all the same exact joke and it's annoying, but again, this one isn't really like memes or anything. It's literally just like a page dedicated to Ryan Graves and like he retweeted um Hunter Hodes. Uh yeah, I I mean, I don't know. Uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they keep following us, but uh it is a page dedicated to ryan graves so um good for him that he has a fan club and hopefully he um uh, develops a fan club in pittsburgh because that means he's playing pretty darn well uh, let's see uh this one i'm gonna switch it up and go away from brian here a second this one's from tony nakunin who's definitely asked questions before uh he has like three questions in one uh question one how or could you analyze the new acquisitions based on their foot speed um, are they faster or slower compared to last year? Uh, number two, how would um, how would you put together the bottom six? And number three, how would you rate Kyle Dubas so far? So, uh, uh, Snail, you can kind of take that on and answer them how you wish. Sure, and uh, I'll go ahead and kind of give my what I kind of think, and I think this is something you guys should chime in on as well. Um, but I'll go ahead and uh, analyzing the new acquisitions based on their foot speed. So uh, I think the only one that we got that I actually had like prior knowledge of their foot speed would be Nieto. I think he's a pretty speedy winger. Mm-hmm. Um, Achari is not burning you speed wise. He's kind of more, you know, he's a little bit of a gritty sandpaper net front dude. Um uh let's see graves i don't think graves is burning you on speed and defense he's a stay i think he's a stay-at-home guy right i mean he's kind of what dumoulin's replacement yeah it's um uh let's see um trying to remember who oh eller uh lars eller is not burning you on speed like at all either he's not known for quickness or being fleet of foot um so i guess yeah, they, I would. And the second one B question, uh, question one B here from Tony is: Are they faster or slower compared to last year? I would have to say they're slower. Like, I you know Archibald, he's out. He was pretty fast. Um, Paling, he was he was really fast. Uh, I think even with just those two guys out, you know, the substitutions. I guess wherever you want to slot in, which I think is his next question here is is how would you form the bottom six? Yeah, you definitely lost quite a bit of speed there in the in the bottom six. And how I, I this is tough for me. Maybe you guys could help me out with this one. I see we still have Granlin there. And for me, I thought Granlin was kind of three C. Um, but then you pick up Lars Eller. Is Lars Eller uh is he a replacement center and you move Granlin to the wing? Um I guess it, it I would probably have I think Achari's a great fourth line center. I think that's what he was picked up to be. He's got that grit. He can rack up the hits. He can kind of hem, uh, he can hem you in, in in their zone. And I think I'd go Achari, fourth line center, 
And then, I mean, Carter, 12th forward on the right wing there. Got it. He's got, you know, you got to remember Carter, he's got a big frame. He's uh, he's not really fast anymore. Um, he has that, you know, he all those goals he scored, well, he has over 400 goals. Those aren't by accident. You just hope he can use his what offensive prowess he has left to kind of chip in. Can we expect five five to eight goals from Carter as a fourth line winger, hopefully? And then maybe put Nieto on the left wing there. That's It doesn't sound great just saying this, but I guess with what we have to work with, I'd probably do that. And then DOC, Lars Eller, uh, and... And Grandlin, I mean, don't are, those guys are all centers, aren't they? Isn't DOC a center by nature, or he can play he, either? Yeah, yeah, he definitely can play either. I don't know. I don't even. I don't. The way just it coming out of my mouth, I really don't like the way it sounds. Someone's got to go. I think that I, you know, of course, we've been asking for for Grandlin. I think the Lars Eller. I've been scratching my head at that. I don't really understand get, picking up him. Um, but I think I would go with the third line. I guess of of maybe a uh maybe Lars Eller Granlin on the left DOC on the right there um and I I would rate I actually I talked with Garrett about this a little bit yesterday uh just an overall grade for Dubas's work so far in the very short sample size not wowed I'm not blown away I think that I believe he's still got moves to come because if this is it, we're over the cap and, and, you know, it's, it's July. So, um, I, I guess I'll go with maybe like a B or a B minus. What about you guys? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, again, a lot to play out yet. I think obviously, uh, with guys coming and going. So I think it automatically goes up if he acquires Eric Carlson, um so yeah that's a very fluid grade but yeah that b b minus i think uh is very fair at the moment yeah you'd have to think if he acquires carlson logic has to dictate that either one of petrie and or granlin have been taken on by perhaps a a third team which has been rumored that the penguins have been trying to facilitate this trade with a third mystery team um, if that's the case, yeah, I agree with Robbie. Uh, Eric Carlson, even at 33, is no slouch. Uh, he is absolutely, he would absolutely improve over Jeff Petrie in that top four on that right side. How you, again, how you make that contract work, that cap hit, that remains to be seen. I have my doubts with each passing day that Carlson will come to Pittsburgh. But again, I agree with Robbie because. I mean, I just can't see any other logical conclusion you reach if you trade for Carlson because you're already a million over the cap. Even if you have salary retained by San Jose and maybe even another team, uh, you'd have to trade. You'd have to trade Petrie, probably Granlin as well. But again, we're getting into super hypotheticals at this point. But yeah, if he if he manages to swing Petri or uh, to swing Carlson, a la bill kessel a couple of years ago then my grade for him i'd give him a b minus c plus right now my grade would absolutely shoot up so we're going to continue here with brian um this is more a statement than a question but i think you know i think quickly we could probably all just lightly touch on this um uh, brian says that this may be an unpopular opinion but i think riley smith is an upgrade to the top six over zucker 
Yeah, uh, I would agree. And Robbie even touched on this last week in uh, in our mailbag last week when when Riley Smith was acquired. Smith and Zucker, in terms of point production, I think you're going to get relatively the same thing. You're going to get relatively the same output. Robbie did mention that health-wise, uh, Riley Smith is has been historically more durable than Jason Zucker. And I hate, you know, categorizing players with injury labels because I often look at injuries as freak occurrences. Players can't control injuries or how they get injured. Obviously they don't want to be injured. So, but looking at the durability aspect compared to the two forwards, yeah, uh, Riley Smith is in theory going to suit up for more games over a longer period of time than Jason Zucker did in his time in Pittsburgh. So I, I think you're going to get 20 to 25 goals, 50 to 60 points out of Riley Smith. And that's really the kind of production you expected out of Jason Zucker. So I think for it being Dubas's first trade with the Penguins, I was pretty impressed by it because at that point you knew Jason Zucker was probably on his way out. And I don't really have any qualms with it at this point. Again, it's early July. We'll see what happens in training camp and preseason. But yeah, right now I don't have any problems with it. Robbie, um, anything you want to put a stamp on the Riley Smith discussion? No, if you want my 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 thoughts on that, you're probably best off just to go back and listen uh, to the last episode or just listen to what Garrett said. I think, I mean, if Jason Zucker comes back out this year and um, plays 60 games and Riley Smith plays 75, I think right there is telling you all you need to know, really. Uh, it's just, yeah, I just think that just because Jason Zucker was fully healthy this year doesn't uh, mean that he'll be the same. Uh, going forward, Riley Smith has the pedigree. He's a Stanley Cup champion, and he's shown that he is a little more durable. So, um, yeah, I think that's the risk we're taking, and I really like that. I still really like the Riley Smith acquisition. I think Riley Smith also. When I think of when I think of him, I think of pretty consistent. Um, I think you guys probably remember Zucker has had his his fair share of streaky moments in the Pittsburgh uniform. So, uh, I think that maybe even if he you know, Zucker also had a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. Uh, he had some amazing goals, but, you know, that came with the streakiness. I think of Riley Smith, you know, a pretty uh, calm demeanor and temperament and uh, just kind of a, a blue-collar hockey player, and, and he's always kind of been pretty pretty consistent there. So um, I'll, I'll, I digress, but, uh, yeah, I think that it's a, it's not a lateral move. I'd say it's a little it's, – it's definitely an improvement over Zuck's. All right, Robbie, we're going back to Brian, and this is a follow-up question from last week's show regarding Brian's question uh, about the alleged, half-jokingly, but to clarify, there was a burger set up along Fifth Avenue by the People's Gate. I'm not sure who they were using or anything like that, but Brian looked forward to getting one or two before the game. I'm sorry you guys missed out. It's quite possibly the best burger I ever had that I still think about today. That's pretty wild. The best part, besides them being so delicious, was they were like four bucks. So, Robbie, Brian continues to give this stamp of approval for this phantom burger shop that opened up outside PPG. I mean, I guess I need to try this burger or something like it because, I mean, I'm all down for a good burger. But, yeah, I have no recollection of this place whatsoever. Uh, nothing Brian said right now jarred my brain at all. So, uh, I'm just going to have to take his word for it. 
I will continue to call it a phantom burger shop, and I will continue. <laughs> I will continue to refer to it as a legend. We because, we need pictures, Brian. Yes, uh, <laughs> go back in time into your photo roll on your phone, and and you need to send me some pictures of this burger joint. Uh, this one is going to snail. Also from Brian. I'm not sure if either of you are Spittin' Chicklets podcast guys, but Yager was their interview last week, and it was awesome stuff. Snail, do you think? Do you wish things had worked out differently between Yager and the Penguins? So yeah, that that I did listen to that Chicklets interview with Yager. Uh, amazing interview. I think if you're Pittsburgh, if you remember when Yager was was in Pitt, or if you are a fan of his lore definitely check it out it's it, there's some amazing stories on there uh, told firsthand by by yogs himself but um personally you know i actually i thought about this question a little bit and i might be in the minority but i don't really think i i want i don't think i would have wished anything to be different with with yager and pit i think that you know it was kind of i mean the one thing that kind of came into my head and maybe you guys disagree or not but uh Yager could have potentially what single-handedly win you some games that keep you from getting guys like 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 flurry or, or something you know what I mean like had you kept him like he he's definitely one of those guys that could he scores goals like he could he have been like maybe if we keep him could he have been a difference maker and maybe helping us to not seat so low in the standings to get someone like like flower Gino and Sid so um I also kind of you know Maybe that's a dumb take. I don't know. That's just kind of what came to my mind when I thought about what had what would have happened had we kept him. Um, I also kind of appreciate, kind of like I had touched on, like Yager's a legend. Like the lore, I mean, him going to the KHL for a little bit and his tour of the NHL, um, he was you know, playing some potent hockey in all these different markets. I just think that the lore and legend of Yager kind of you know, for being so good and so famous, having like how much he he bounced around, it's uh, you don't really see that too often. So I personally, I I'm glad that things didn't weren't different with with uh with Yager. That's a fair assessment of it. I actually uh, like where you're coming with that because again, so much of what he did for like yeah, it's he did so much for the Penguins. Like you like okay, it ended maybe not great and not the way you wanted to see it, but everything he did prior to that was so important to keeping the penguins in Pittsburgh that it's impossible to, uh, to hate him in any way. So, um, I am totally on board with that train of thinking. Do do we honor him? Do you think Pittsburgh, do you think it would be appropriate? Does he get a Jersey in the rafter? Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. I I, like there was, uh, I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was after the season. He basically said, like, wasn't he in the Penguins locker room yes. or something? Like, 100% rafters, number retired. I'm going statue? to the saying statue. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, wow. Like, statue, yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, if you like what he did between Mario's time and pitch, like when Mario was playing, I, I mean, he was scoring goals with basically one leg to keep the franchise from folding. At absolutely, 100% statue, number in the rafters ambassador whatever don't care belongs (laughs) belong yeah at the very least he belongs in the rafters uh in pittsburgh with a statue outside the arena 100 percent, no doubt won't even you'll never convince me otherwise 
I think if Yager was was hoping to be honored by a team for his legacy, I mean, who else in the league did he have a bigger impact with than Pittsburgh? I think that nobody rafters for sure. Uh, you know, Jersey up there, um, ambassador. I would love. I think that that fits as well. Statue, statue is is a controversial thing here. I think you know, statues are reserved for like the the Mario's, Gretzky's, Jordans of the world, but you know. Yager just like he's just such a present and he looks so cool that would be such a badass statue like with the hair the like legendary mullet that's outside of PPG I mean yeah I, I count me in for a statue so this is this is a question coming from uh John Rosselli I hope I didn't butcher that John Rosselli uh, I'm not totally sure where the anti-Carlson sentiment is coming from. Regardless of his defensive issues he still put up 100 po points on a below average team as an addition to uh, another 25-minute game-capable D-man, my logic tells me that it would be a good add. What am I missing? I, I don't know. I don't think John is missing anything I, because I'm, I'm agreeing and I'm of the same mindset that you have a reigning Norris Trophy winner who probably kept San, San Jose in almost all of their games playing as a defenseman. Yeah, he's he's purely a hundred percent an offensive defenseman. You're 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 not going to laud Eric Carlson for his defensive acumen, but I mean he's built that reputation up for over a decade because of his offensive skills. So I'm not gonna sit here and say if they go out and they can bring Carlson in, I'm gonna be like, oh, the, the Penguins have no defense. Absolutely not. They're, they're gonna be winning games seven to six or eight seven or 9-8, you know, back 1980s hockey if they bring Eric Carlson in. So I'd be all for it, absolutely. It makes that decor better. You can throw all the defensive deficiencies in my face all you want, but the fact, the fact remains that Eric Carlson is basically a fourth forward out there if you really want to describe it that way. Uh, th that's how uh, in tune he is with his offensive abilities coming on from the blue line. So I, I just love thinking about the potential power play possibilities with Latang on one unit, Carlson maybe on another, or or you could put Latang and Carlson both on the same unit. That would be just absolutely ridiculous. Uh and maybe fantasy. But I, anyway, I, I'm all for Eric Carlson. I, I don't want to make it sound like that Eric Carlson coming here would be a terrible idea. I just don't see realistically how you make the salary cap work. But Crazier things have absolutely happened, and um, at this point, yeah, let's let's all. I, earlier, I was on the Jordan Stall and Max Domi train, but both of those players have since signed elsewhere. So, if 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 Dubas can swing Carlson, then uh, that would be that would be. I'll be the first in line to buy a number sixty-five jersey. <laughs> I just got to chime in quick on that because I I to answer John's question, where is the the anti-Carlson sentiment coming from I I I see it and I you know I'm I'm buying into that a little bit we see Carlson and Burns you know two Norris caliber defensemen known for their offensive prowess playing on the same team not on the same defensive pairing and that did not work out it I mean Burns was out of there and then Carlson you know, in his, his first year solo in San Jose, puts up 100 points and wins the Norris. Like, I think he's a standalone, he's kind of a lone wolf out there. He needs the he needs the power play time and he needs the minutes where we have Latang here. And 
I, I, I'd be weary to bring on that contract when we have, you know, this defensive uh, or an offensive defensive kind of player in Latang. Um, I'd be curious to know what do, what do you guys think a little bit? Is there any any skepticism about bringing in, you know, the reigning Norris Trophy winner to a team with another offensive right hand shot in Latang? Nope, not for me, Robbie. I don't know about you. Not really. I mean, defensively, huge liability, but I'm on board with it. I am. Would you want him first pair? Right shot, no, no. or would he no. be number two? No, two. definitely for me. Latang has earned that top right-handed spot being here for so long, and I don't think Carlson would be the kind of person to throw a fit over that. Maybe he, maybe he enjoys the fact that it's not like the responsibility is not going to fall all on his shoulders as it did in Ottawa and to maybe a lesser extent in San Jose. But no, you you can't take. Latang out of that top right spot on the on the first pair. That's just my opinion, at least. Yeah, and he's got the Swedish uh, Swedish connection with Pedersen. Maybe that's a, a, that, a see, match made in heaven. That would be that would be very very. Uh, th- that's a perfect uh, second pair, second D pair right there. Pedersen and Carlson. Lots of Sassons on on that back end with, like you said, the Swedish connection. Right. All right. Uh, I think it's my turn to give a question to uh, to Robbie. So, uh, Robbie, we'll go back to John Rosselli here, and we'll talk about a, a, another prospect drafted last year. Given that Owen Pickering has added nearly 20 pounds to his frame, which he was asked to do by the Pittsburgh staff last year, how does that add value, whether it be as a trade chip or a developmental step? Um. Well... He projects to be a Brian Dumoulin type player, um, and a Ryan Gray, I guess a Ryan Graves type player. So, bulk, well, bulking up in general, uh, when you get to the NHL level, you have to have that bulk on you. So, if they want him to be a Brian Dumoulin type player, adding that size, but the skating is still there, uh, is huge for his development because that'll allow him, as a full time pro now in the AHL, to adjust to that size. Um, learn how to use it, and it just helps him kind of take that next step. And it's good that he went out and did it and asked what they asked, and um, it shows that he can uh, kind of take on those duties and uh, improve himself, and uh, it's a positive sign that his game or his skating has not taken a step back uh, despite his his added weight. So um, it'll be very Interesting to watch him at the AHL level this season uh, to see how he plays with that added weight and how he uses that size to his advantage uh, to develop into more like a Brian Dumoulin type defenseman uh, for the future. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go with Logan Cranky. I believe this is a new question asker. Uh, do you think Jari's injury wo- woes are bad luck or something chronic? So I don't. I don't have uh you know Sully's phone number and I'm I don't know what the deal is with uh Jari I remember there being whispers on Twitter um on the on podcasts that this is a chronic issue um this wasn't just bad luck um I think bad luck was you know maybe him fracturing his foot uh 2 years ago now I think this is from what I heard in those whispers this is a chronic hip 
issue, not something that gets better. Um, so I would, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, you know, with Dubas putting all his eggs in one basket here with Jari being our main man, we're really hitching our wagon to him. And I mean, in Dubas's presser, he kind of touched on the goaltending and he used Vegas as an example. He's like, you see how you, you know, they won with a committee of goaltenders all kind of uh, pulling weight. And so I think, you know, Dubas is kind of, you know, we got Casey, they, they picked up Ned um, Nedeljkovic and, uh, and then we got, you know, maybe he's picking up those kind of those goaltenders that, you know, we saw it in Nedeljkovic in Carolina kind of be a one, a or a one B type of scenario last year, Casey DeSmith had to carry quite a bit more load than what I think we necessarily like wanted him doing. So maybe he sees this as if, you know, let's just say Jari does have a chronic hip issue. Is This is like a scenario where he's got a couple different goaltenders that can all kind of carry, you know, they're like maybe 20, 25 game starts throughout throughout the season. Um, so I hope I hope it's not. Um, I hope that there are no more injury woes for Jari, but um, I fear the worst in this. What about you guys? Any thoughts on that? It's certainly a risk. I mean, the first thing I saw when he was when he re-signed was that oh, five years is too long. I mean, the cap hit is what it is. You're that's pretty much going to be the going rate for your starting goaltender in the NHL these days. Now, if I, I openly said on prior podcasts that I would not have gone past three years for Jari, and I still stand by that. Like, I'm not five years from now. And again, you could get rid of any contract in the NHL. The, the, there's never going to be a a bad contract, um, whether it's you get rid of it through trade or buyout. So there are ways if the Penguins three, four years from now get really like into super tank mode and you know aren't as competitive. If you want to trade Jari off for draft picks or whatever, you can definitely do that. I, five years for me. It really doesn't seem it didn't strike me as a Kyle Dubas esque move because in his time in Toronto, he wasn't actively putting loads of cap money and term contract length into his goaltenders. So that's where it kind of surprised me where he handed out such a big contract to uh, the, the goaltender for the Penguins here. But I mean. Jari has proven to be an all-star in the past. You, that's not that's no fluke. His all-star level of play. Uh, now, whether or not you know he play, continues to play injured or questions of his durability arise, you know that that's going to remain to be seen. It's going to be magnified now with this brand new contract and and five-year deal. So anytime he makes a screw up or gets injured, it's just going to be even more cannon fodder for Pe- Penguins Facebook commenters. But I mean, it is what it is. Tristan Jari is going to be the goalie of the present and a little bit of your future. So um, it, for me, it, it is what it is. There, there, there probably weren't going to be too many better options out on the open market anyway. All right. So next question is coming from Woody. Are you disappointed that the Penguins didn't move on from Jari? So keeping with the Jari theme here. Uh, Garrett, are you concerned about the length of the deal? He has never stayed healthy, and that should be... That should have been a big concern. Absolutely. Well, yeah, absolutely. It, it It's going to be the biggest concern. Uh, and I, I can't sit here and say that I know Kyle Dubas personally, but 
I know you have to go into those negotiations with him and his agent and knowing that durability has been the biggest issue here. What were your better options? Fre- Frederick Anderson? I mean, Semyon Varlamov? Connor Hellebuck is still a member of, of the, the Winnipeg Jets. And John Gibson, I have made my piece known with John Gibson about not acquiring him just for the sake of him being a Pittsburgher. So if you were going to go out and acquire a Connor Hellebuck, it's not as easy as doing it on any, the NHL 23 video game and just giving the Jets like three or four draft picks and a bad contract and saying, here you go. Like the Jets had to be willing to negotiate with the Penguins for a deal with Hellebuck. And let's not forget that the Penguins don't exactly have a ton of top tier assets to give to a Winnipeg Jets team that they say that the Jets want to be remain competitive. I don't think that's possible. I think they're going into something of a rebuild and it's not like the penguins have a ton of young futures to give away anyway so if the penguins and jets were ever going to to negotiate some sort of connor hellebuck trade i don't foresee a scenario in which the penguins were walking out of there getting something even because they don't have a ton to give winnipeg anyway jari is what he is he's going to have questions about his durability and can he play 65 games a season you can't change the past. Jari is going to be here now. Concerns are going to pop up. Yes, absolutely. But you just hope those concerns are mitigated. And, uh, you know, Dubas and Sullivan are putting their faith in, in Jari. And at least in the short term, that's what I'm inclined to do as well. Jari's resume speaks for itself. I don't think he's won as many games as he has and become an all-star just by a fluke. But, yeah, definitely. There's definitely durability concerns that would definitely creep in and out as the season goes on. All right, Robbie, uh, this is a really fun one. We'll go back to John Rosselli here. Robbie, what are the chances based on being a buyer at the deadline that Jason Zucker finds his way back to Pittsburgh? By all accounts, he didn't necessarily want to leave, but the money and the term weren't there. So he signed a one-year deal with the Arizona Coyotes, could Zucker be back in the black and gold by next February or March? I mean, you never say never on something like this. And uh, as soon as I saw he signed in Arizona for a year, my initial reaction was he's going to be a trade piece come February. And, I, I mean, you never say never. Um, I don't think so. I mean, it, it, usually when it's done, it's done. But, again, if the Penguins – if a guy like Zucker's out there, if they need a guy like Zucker and he's out there for trade, um, then hey, I think you got to try to make it. Um, you got to make it work. So, um, yeah, you never say never on something like that. And he's definitely loved in Pittsburgh. There's no doubt about that. There was no bad feelings, at least with the fan base. And uh, from what we can tell, there's no bad feelings with uh, the front office. It's just the cost of doing business in the NHL. So. Um, I, it definitely screams that he's going to be a trade piece uh, with a one-year deal at a very manageable cap hit um, next uh, next trade deadline. So it, we'll see how things pan out between now and then, but it's definitely a scenario which uh, I wouldn't put out of the question. I believe this is the last question. I could be wrong, but this comes from Scotty uh, G14 just here. His picture is literally Bell Sprout. Um, the Pokemon. So as we enter the heat of summer, what's your go-to summer treat to cool off? 
Well, Scotty G14, I can tell you what my go-to summer treat is um, to cool off very simply, and that's an ice cold margarita. Uh-huh. I I'd, uh, I like a, I, I have a specific way I like to make them. Um, I don't really like buying the pre-made mix, although it, you, as you'll you'll hear here in a second, it's not exactly like a. This isn't an, an amazing margarita. I'm not trying to say that this is. I mean. I, I take six limes and I squeeze the juice out of them. I take, uh, you know, maybe like a, a cup and a half, two cups of crushed ice, throw that in the blender. Um, and then my, my secret ingredient, aside from the tequila, of course, is just maybe like a quarter cup of uh, Newman's own pink lemonade. Instead of using oh. like a sweetener, I just throw a little splat. I like my margaritas really sour, sour oh, okay. and freezing cold. So I, I add that in there. And then, you know, tequila doesn't really matter. I usually use like a, a silver and I put, you know, it depends on what you're trying to do that day. If, if you're just trying, you know, maybe like a, to cool off when the sun's going down, a couple shots in there. Or if you're looking to strap a lead boot on and pin that pedal through the floor, you triple <laughs> or quadruple that recipe. Um, that is my favorite way to cool off in the summer. What about you guys? I'd be curious to hear. Robbie, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I again, I, I'm a big fan of popsicles uh, in the summer, but I do like an ice cold glass of sweet tea uh, is always good. If I'm very, very thirsty, like outside and I just need to dehydrate myself, there's nothing can beat an ice cold glass of water. Uh, but if I'm looking to take some edge off, I love a uh, Jack and Coke and I, I'm a stickler for name brands. So I, I do like, or captain, I'm a captain Coke is good as well. Uh, it needs to be Coke, and it needs to be uh, Captain Morgan or Jack Daniels. Um, I, I I also I love summer beers, especially um, like Summer Shandy and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, definitely uh, like something nice and cold, definitely, obviously, because it's the summer. Uh, it's been pretty brutal here the past couple days with the humidity, but um, Snail's Concoction um, – it's definitely intriguing. Six That's a lot of limes. Six limes is a lot of limes. I like them um, sour, man. Yeah, that's a lot of limes. So you got to like it bitter uh, to enjoy that. But that actually doesn't sound too, too bad, uh, to be honest. So uh, might if I get the ingredients, might have to try that out. Not a huge tequila fan, but uh, that is intriguing. So I uh, might have to jot that recipe down for uh, future use. My go-to is very simple two ingredients three olives vodka and a coke related product i so three olives my my mom brought me on to the to this drink um there have been nights where i have uh let my wild side out for for oh, lack geez. of a better description and uh <laughs> well uh they have a lot so three olives has a lot of flavored vodkas and the my go-to is three olives cherry and most often we have like coke zero in the house which is good because i don't want all of that sugar in one drink so my my standard go-to is if i'm feeling crazy i'll do a double or triple shot of three olives and some some coke zero and so i just i'm going on vacation in a couple of weeks and uh, i bought this new flavor it's berry so i bought berry flavored uh, three olives vodka and I'm going to mix it with like Sprite or ginger ale and have some sort of citrusy concoction 
I absolutely can't wait to try that out. I may have to try it out tomorrow uh, after I get done with work and then I'm off for a couple of days. But yes, that is definitely three olives vodka. I, I'm no like I, I'm no posh alcohol drinker, uh, but I will say vodka is if you want me to have a fun time during the night, you put some vodka and, and get a nice mixer. Let's just say I may not remember where I go to sleep that night. Leave a paper trail of tweets after some three olives. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll just be just spewing off like random, <laughs> incoherent, like penguins takes. He's, oh, he's Garrett's on the three olives tonight. Exactly. You know, exa <laughs> you know exactly what I'll be doing. So, but yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a very, I will say one thing. I will not under any circumstance drink beer. I, I have tried beer on several occasions. My brother-in-law and my dad are both big beer drinkers, and I, I just, I cannot, cannot just get it down. It just, it just, it's, it's so bad. No matter what you put in front of me, I just, I will not be able to down it. But so that's what kind of led me on to my vodka fixation. Uh, I was going to ask, do you guys drink, well, obviously, Garrett, you don't really like beer, but do, uh, we don't have it out here. You guys drink uh, yinglings? Is that how you say it? Yinglings? Yeah, yinglings. I mean, I do. Yeah. yeah if he doesn't yeah. drink beer, he wouldn't like yingling. Um, yeah, Yingling, it's out east of Pennsylvania is where the uh, brewery is. But yeah, around here, it's extremely popular. You can get it. Uh, it's basically like it'd be like if you if Budweiser was like in that. It's basically a, a statewide chain and even into New York and Maryland and Virginia. Like you can get it. It's basically right there with uh, your Budweiser's, your Miller's, your Coors, like as a staple in every distributor or six pack shop or bar or whatever it's always on tap so it's just like a run-of-the-mill beer here but um yeah i prefer that over your standard uh big market beers uh um if i'm drinking just something uh generic uh locally yeah i've always had kind of a maybe it's just because it's not over here on the west side of the over here in Seattle or whatever, but I've always had kind of a glorified view of that. It's like, oh, I've tried it once or twice. I've, I've been able to get my hands on some, and I'm always like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, for what, yeah, it, it is a pretty good beer. It, uh, it kind of gets like, I mean, when it's, it's kind of like a mainstream enough that it gets ragged on for being uh, more mainstream and not um, like craft, but it to me, it's a perfectly fine beer, and it's a better option than, uh, more of your big brand beers so yeah i'm completely chill with it and i'll drink it if it's available all righty uh, is that it yes that will that will wrap it up we i'm looking at the timer right now we are just under the 90 minute mark uh there will be some things i'll i'll, I'll have to uh, change in the edit but that is i think if i missed your if, I, if we missed any questions this week uh let me know dm me on twitter i think we got through all of them uh but Holy moly, the 30, 30 questions slash statements. Uh, it's quite the quite the first episode for the rookie for Snail to come in and, and and basically be thrown into the deep end to answer part of 30 questions. That should do it for this episode of the Penscast Mailbag. Uh, if you're interested in contributing to future editions of the Penscast Mailbag, you can do so by following our Twitter account at PenguinsFFSN. Every week we will send out a mailbag tweet asking for your participation in these mailbag episodes and keep your eyes posted to wherever you get your podcasts. If you subscribe to the Skating Penguin Network, we have a lot of very fun and interesting things on the horizon, some different kinds of content that will be coming at you into your feeds very shortly. So 
for Snail and for Robbie Noggle, I have been Garrett Bahanna. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Pens Cast Mailbag, and we will talk to you again very soon.